Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, and by some miracle you don't know the plot of Romeo and Juliet, the very famous play by William Shakespeare, we talk about it, and it'll be spoiled for you. But anyway, enjoy. Hello. Hey, happy back to work day. Happy, definitely a good idea day. <laughs> definitely, maybe a good idea. So, how are you? Uh, you know, it's one of those weeks where lockdown's getting to me. You know, sometimes it's all right. Sometimes you think, yeah, it's fine. All I have to do is get up, go downstairs, and do stuff. And then other days, it's like, well, all I can do is get up, go downstairs, and do stuff. You know. Indeed, it is. Uh, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, you're you're facing it worse than me because I still go out and do country walks and things like that. I thought you were um, going to say country music. <laughs> I'm just constantly <laughs> playing country music all the yeah. time. Just um, walking down the street, going, "Get that honky tonk, but donk a donk." I mean, the, uh, one of the greatest tragedies of the pandemic is that no one's getting any honky tonk, but donk a donk. <laughs> No, not even the owners of the asses that the song is about. Yeah. I guess you could look in the mirror, but you'd need two, a two-mirror setup, wouldn't you? You, you would. You'd need, you need a two-mirror setup or like a camera installed somewhere hooked up to a big TV so you could see your honky-tonk badonkadonk. Yeah, honky-tonk cam. Yeah. <laughs> Why isn't Trace Adkins working on that? That's what I want to know. Dear Trace Adkins... I know where, you listen every week, where and is, you've never sued us for using your song as our intro <laughs> music, so thank you. Where is Honky Tonk Cam? Yeah, we demand it now. I know you're trying to write songs, I know that's your thing, but this is what the world needs. Yeah, there's there's more important things to do. Yeah. So yeah, I, I ain't been going on my country walks. Maybe I should do that. Yeah, it's, it's, it is keeping me relatively sane, being able to get out and... Um, and uh, and and do do that, but it is yeah, it's it is grating, isn't it? Do you see many people when you go on your country walks? Yeah, I see a fair few people. Um, Guys in cowboy hats. Yeah, lots of lots of people with guitars and stetsons. Cowboy hat from Gucci, Wrangler <laughs> on their booty. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I actually, listen to that song today again in the shower. <laughs> in it the shower. My, yeah, Spotify has a um, a like playlist of songs that you've listened to on repeat, and that was on there, along with sandwiched in between some like Mickey Mouse Club music and Muppet music and a bunch <laughs> of other stuff I played to my son. You have a very eclectic um, music choice. Mm-hmm. Everyone goes, "Oh yeah, I I like all kinds of music." Me? No, you don't. <laughs> have you got Muppets? Have you played Elmo's song a hundred times today? Exactly, exactly. But funny enough, Eric's a big fan of Elvis. That's his favourite at the moment. Oh, really? Yeah. There's this um, this playlist from the Disney movie Lilo and Stitch that has um, a little less conversation, a little more action. 
with, with the, the cool remix and um, some other Elvis songs. He loves it. Oh, very nice. And and that actually ties us in quite nicely with this week's film, because did you know that Baz Lernham's next f- movie is an Elvis Presley project? Is it? I did mm. not know that. I thought you were going to say, because Elvis did the music for this film. And I was like, <laughs> shit, did I watch the wrong film? <laughs> Ra- Radiohead was actually formed by Elvis Presley. Yep. Um, that is actually it. Yes. Uh, yes. He put so a radio he... on his head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, Baz Luhrmann, his uh, next movie is Elvis Presley doing something, I imagine, with some very erratic camera angles and lots of colours. <laughs> yeah, and loads of really, really big theatrical scenes. Yeah. Um, so, Romeo... That'd be cool, though. I would look forward to that. Romeo and Juliet was our film this week. It was. Romeo plus Juliet, 1996. Romeo plus Juliet equals lots of guns. Yeah, gun boys. Gun, gun boys everywhere. <laughs> you, um, you sent me, Rob texted me earlier this week, a picture of the poster from the film so that the gun boys on it had made him laugh, which is pictures of the Montagues and Capulets either side of the happy couple, and I couldn't get the word gun boys out of my head while I was watching this film. It really made me chuckle. I was like, oh, here comes another gun boy. Here's the gun boys. Oh, yeah, the gun boys are back. <laughs> it's raining gun boys. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, yeah, the gun boys are hilarious. Um, I This movie is one that I respect, but I don't like, if that makes sense. Mm, that's a really good way to put it, actually. That's perhaps what I was about to say, but couldn't quite put my finger on. But yes, I think I probably agree with that. So it's a... And I, I haven't watched this movie in well over a decade. And as a as a young man... Uh, a, a wee whippersnapper. As a young gun boy. Um, I, I didn't get on with the film at all. And I thought, you know what? Maybe when I'm older, I'll appreciate it more. And if anything, it annoyed me more now that I'm older and <laughs> older and grumpier. Um, but, but there's something that I really respect about this film. And I think it's such a bold interpretation of Shakespeare um, and I love the 90s-ness of it because this is possibly the most 90s film yep. that's ever been made. <laughs> um, and I do love the soundtrack. I, I really, really love the soundtrack to this film. Yeah, Radiohead um, aside, the songs are really good. <laughs> yeah, that Cardigan song is an all-time great. Oh, no, actually, I hate that song. You hate that song? <laughs> yeah, you hate the Cardigans? Song. I don't know. Something. I don't hate them. I don't think I'm aware of any of their other work, but I hate that song. Something about the... It's like a jazzy chord that they're using during the chorus. Yeah, no. <laughs> the way her voice kind of slides up and down on that note. Ugh, no, I, I, I really it. I really love that song and I really love um, the Cardigans in general. I think they are a very cool band. Um, much like the item of clothing that they are named after, which is the coolest item of clothing. Good name. Cardigan. Um yeah, so so it's it's a really cool soundtrack. Really, um, of its time, you've got um, you've you've got Desiree, of course. Yeah, that um, classic song, which I performed in uh, when I was in the Soul Choir at university. It was at someone's wedding, and I think I don't remember how, but they'd hired the choir to do the like both the reception and the ceremony, and it was like the Walking Down the Aisle song. That's a very nice song to have, which was very nice. So I'll always associate that song with that. Um, it was in this really really nice church, and there was sort of like um upstairs bits um and the choir were positioned there either side as they were walking in it was epic oh very nice 
very reminiscent of um, Love Actually with the the sassy brass people that turn up. Yeah, it was just like that. Love. The song was over, and then I just like was swinging from the balcony, going. <laughs> and then I pulled out an electric guitar that was unplugged but still making music. Yeah, that's how it works. Um, yep. Uh, there's another one of my all-time favorite silly '90s songs, which is "You and Me." Um, yeah, by is, uh, the Wannadies. By the Wannadies, great little, great little <laughs> song that. <laughs> It's um, it's actually the wanna dies, isn't it? As in they want to die. <laughs> Which when you consider the sort of upbeat jeeziness of their music really makes zero sense. <laughs> and it's an awful name. It is a it is a it is an awful time. Uh, an awful name. <laughs> it was um, an awful time. It was an awful Also time. Swedish, like the cardigans. What yeah. is what is it with the nineties and Swedish bands? The the Swedes are taken over. Yeah. They they got some good bands though, Sweden. But very occasionally, the Wannadies get confused for the Weaker Thans, who are one of my all-time favourite bands. And the Wombats, that are and also one of your all-time favourite bands. Yeah, of course. Any band that's named after a marsupial is fine by me. <laughs> but, but Sweden... Love them. Sweden's got some good bands. Though. Obviously, you've got ABBA. Can't get, it, can't get away from ABBA. You cannot argue with ABBA. Um, Ace of Base are Swedish. Oh, yeah. We've talked about them before, haven't we? Was, didn't one of their members have like ties to a, a right-wing hate group? <laughs> yes, yeah. When he was younger, he was uh, part of this very, very right-wing, far-right hate group. Um, you've got Opeth. You've got In Flames. Yeah. A couple of good old metal boys. Very good metal um, metal bands coming out of Sweden. Yeah. Um, uh, you got the knife as well. I think they're Swedish. Yeah, they? yes, they um, are. Yeah, the hives. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, it's Sweden. Got some. Got What's some... his name? The guy from the hives, Howlin Pele Almqvist. Love <laughs> that guy. Right, yeah, absolute legend. Um, they're they're awesome. Love a bit of hives. Well, um, I hate to say I told you so, <laughs> but Sweden is great. <laughs> Sweden is great. Um, in fact, I went to Sweden in February, obviously, on my Arctic challenge. It was awesome. Did. I loved it. Did you Swedish run into very nice. the members of the hives? Mm-hmm. Got to the top of the mountain, Pele was there. He's like, hey, you made it. Congrats. <laughs> and he gave me a hug. <laughs> oh, that, that's lovely. That's lovely. Um, but yeah, the, the soundtrack is amazing. It, this is another one of those movies, and we've talked about a few of them here, where the soundtrack became this thing that people owned um so you know yeah i a watched lot of it people... with claire my wife and she was saying did you not own the soundtrack i was like no no she had it there's something about the way that you said claire my wife then that makes me laugh. <laughs> my wife <laughs> it's almost almost wizzo-esque <laughs> my wife my wife um <laughs> um but yeah um uh, but yeah, it, it's a great, it's a great soundtrack, and yeah, loads of people owned it. A bit like the Train Spotting soundtrack um, that just appeared on people, which was on um, shelves. "Lust for Life" by Iggy Pop fifteen times. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it was. There was no other songs on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but the film itself, I don't really like, and part of it is because the style of Baz Luhrmann really doesn't gel with what I like to see in a film. That very, very mm. quick cuts, uh, like um, shaky cam, almost, it, 
some some films like when people see a movie directed by stanley kubert for instance you often get that thing of like oh yeah it's like you're on an lsd trip but baz lerman is is ecstasy it's it's some tainted ecstasy that's what it is when you're watching a baz lerman movie where you've just got that that sort of horrible jarring energy that 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 i i really don't like and and some of his movies i can i can big first year drama student party energy yes yeah exactly um and and some of his movies i can get on well with like i do i do like his adaptation of the great gatsby i think that's a very very good film yeah Um, we should we haven't talked about that have we no no i think we we should should. maybe save it for its own episode to do it justice but i really like that film i think it's very very good and i think that it does do justice to the book but in baz Luhrmann's own unique style and i think it's where he gets the balance of his desire to do the whole lsd drama student thing and imprint that on a film and where it actually works and he just dials it back just enough for the story to come across perfectly Yes, yeah, I can. I completely agree with you on that, and so we, we'll give it its own episode. We could maybe even do a special where we watch the other movie, um, the the earlier '60s movie that's based on it, and do a little, mm, do a little. My main man, Robert Redford, indeed. Um, but but yeah, that it feels as though this movie is very very raw, and some of it works incredibly well like the 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 set design the actual costume design as well is iconic for a reason like you can look at any scene in this movie and you instantly know oh yeah that's baz Luhrmann's romeo and juliet yeah um, which i think really works it's, it's iconic it's a really aesthetically iconic film when you say Yes, yeah, for sure. And um, even little things like John Leguizamo's snazzy boots or little curly <laughs> bit of his hair, all of the bling guns held by the gun boys, um, the, the the loud shirts, the stupid armour that he wears in his costume. Um, it all it all it all feels unique in that way. And I think that's what people liked about it so much when it came out is this was a really in an era where there was lots of um lots of shakespeare adaptations coming out this kind of this kind of started that trend almost where you had um those modernizations coming in like uh, the hamlet adaptation with um with ethan Hawke, for instance was another example from this era i haven't seen that um which is which is quite an interesting film does it also um, have gun boys it it is not quite as gun boy it's more sort of dark and sleek than um of course uh than uh than, than <laughs> big shouty gun boys singing industrial electronica songs out of the back of their convertible car um but yeah it's it's uh it's it is an interesting movie but i just i can't bring myself to like it there's just something that stops me from i can't enjoy there it. is something it about it nerves. that's quite annoying yeah isn't there? yeah um, it's it's hard and every scene you're like why is it like this if there's genuinely <laughs> if it wasn't a shakespeare adaptation um and if you weren't aware of who baz Luhrmann was if you didn't have that context of him as an auteur that is really important context contextually for this film you, you would read it a bit like something like the room wouldn't you yeah definitely it's um it would have like a bit of a wizoian energy to it yeah it's it's it does it it and and part of that comes down to how bold it is and how it's just like yeah this is what i'm doing and i'm doing it now um but um but yeah there is something else about it which is um just not 
not great and just and so because jarring. it's shakespeare you're like it's fine that's that's exactly the word i was about to use it's really jarring when they talk in the shakespearean way even though obviously you're like it's an adaptation of shakespeare so that's fine you're used to that that's a thing that you know and it's also extremely bold to take that and put it in put it in there that way and i'm glad that he did that because it's a it's it's a statement and it's a big move but at times it just really really jars yeah yeah for sure um and and some of and i think part of that comes down to the performances where you're used to seeing shakespeare performed in a certain way and with the exception of a few uh, a few actors i don't think necessarily the the way that they perform it here really works so pete postlethwaite i think does a great job um oh yeah in this and he's not playing it as a traditional shakespearean actor would um but he's doing that he's got that he's walking that really thin line of making it feel like shakespeare but also making it feel like something contemporary whereas a lot of it does just feel like maybe you've had a bit too much to drink and you can't understand what they're (laughs) saying properly yeah and i think actually the way that the two leads perform it is very traditionally shakespearean and that's perhaps why it jars so much if they put in actually a bit more of that drama student energy and a bit more of the lsd energy it might feel like it might feel different and like a real departure but it just feels like they're saying shakespeare while dressed in modern garb yeah and i i I think that's part of the problem with it is I don't want to say that it doesn't go far enough because this movie really goes way too far <laughs> over the line <laughs> yeah, in one it direction. It certainly does. But, but it's, that, it's that consistency, isn't it, um, that I think maybe is, is, is what, what I find difficult. And, and when you combine that with just the big energy that this movie has, this is an energetic movie, it's just, it's just a headache waiting to happen. You, you, you start watching it and immediately you just want to grab the paracetamol. Um, and and it doesn't help that the first scene in this film is probably the most Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet scene of the whole movie, where it's just quick cut, quick cut, quick cut. Here's a really stupid uh, gunfight um, in a petrol station. You, you've got it all looks of those... like one of those small ones you get. You know when you're driving down a road like the A3 or the A303. And it's like there hasn't been a proper BP garage or anything in a while, but there's like a little village one coming up and you're like, I don't really want to stop here because it's kind of weird, but I don't have enough petrol to carry on. It's that kind of petrol station. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and you've got all of those weird Dutch angles and it's just a very, it's a really odd opening. Um, and then it kind of settles down a bit and it gets more into the swing of things and you can kind of recognize, oh yeah, this is the bit where they're looking at each other through the fish. Um, yeah, and, and th- but the way that the Montagues are acting in that scene is hilarious. You've got the the main Montague Ben Benvolio, um, who looks like Cato from the Hunger Games, and also a bit like our friend Crazy Steve. Hi, Crazy <laughs> Steve, if you're listening. Um, and they're all dressed in these shirts that make them look like the Offspring around the same time. <laughs> yeah, there's definite. Why don't you get a job? Energy going. Yeah, around. and then he goes to pick up Romeo, and Romeo's ponting around in a suit on the beach, and you're like, come on, man. <laughs> He's the worst. On. The worst of the. Uh, the he worst thinks he's a poet. Montagues, because um, because yeah. I, I love the Montagues in this. Um, so Benvolio, played by um, Dash Mihawk, who uh, we know from Silver Linings Playbook, for instance. Yeah. Um, he's 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 a good one. Um, 
but then you've got um zach orth as well who uh is in wet hot american summer i don't know if you've seen that yeah yeah um this is yeah one of those one of those cult comedy movies and then jamie kennedy our boy from the scream films yeah um it's uh it's a really good cast because obviously john leguizamo will always be luigi to me but he's actually (laughs) done some wonderful stuff yeah john john leguizamo is great and and i think we got into a every time he pops up i'm like yay it's john leguizamo i love that guy yes i do absolutely love him like particularly in this i think he's one of those people that really gets it and his kind of it's a really great performance but it's also got that really pulpy quality that fits in perfectly with his character um, he's really going for it isn't he yeah which which i think is exactly what it needed um and so we get into a bit of a discussion here in my household between whether whether john leguizamo or or harold's parent uh, harold perrineau's mercutio is the best person in this movie and I'm just about going down the John Leguizamo route, but I also think that Mercutio in this is great as well. Um, I absolutely love Mercutio yeah. in this. He is fantastic. There's the one one scene that made me genuinely howl with laughter is um, just before they get into the fight with Tybalt, which I think always, just, I always thought it was Tybalt, which was wrong. But Tybalt just sounds like a cat or cat food, doesn't it? Tibbles. Yeah, you give it some Tibble and then it will settle down yeah. for the night. Um, so just before the the fight with Tibbles, he, um, he they're all like ch- chilling out at the beach and stuff, and he it cuts to him, and he's standing fully clothed in the sea, spinning his gun and just firing it into the sea. <laughs> That's the <laughs> stupidest, most ridiculous cut, and that made me absolutely laugh out loud. It is great, isn't it? Um... Yeah, <laughs> he's he's a bit. I I was kind of watching it, being like, they should have got Prince to play this. <laughs> Just because I love Prince, there's nothing against Harold Perrineau, who I think is brilliant. Yeah, but, I, and then the next scene, they're like some schoolboys doing a cover of "When Doves Cry," and you're like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." Prince could, Prince could have this. This film does have big Prince energy, actually, doesn't it? Yeah, certainly. Could see him playing every role in this. <laughs> in this. Speaking film. of which, the concert um, from the Purple Rain tour is streaming on YouTube this weekend. So watch that. Oh, okay. I will watch not that because I hate Prince. <laughs> don't worry. It's not the film. <laughs> you don't have to watch the film. Because Prince is rubbish. <laughs> Prince is rubbish. He gave away his album with the Daily Mail. He's a he's a racist immigrant hater. He he loves the Daily Mail, does old Prince. Um yeah, no, maybe maybe I'll watch that. Maybe I won't. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um I It's just... essentially that the last half hour of Purple Rain where it just turns into a gig. Yeah. But I, and I do, I do love that album. Purple Rain is one of my favorite albums. Yeah. Um, so yeah, mm, maybe that might be a, that might be a goer. Um, yeah, but the cover of When Doves Cry in this film is great. It is, it is, and the way that it, the music is integrated into the film is really, really good as well. Because there are times when it's just like a quite incongruous song is playing, like the You and Me song, and there are times when the music is actually being sung by someone, and you're like, yeah, let's have When Doves Cry. Yeah, and 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 it's interesting, isn't it? It's so um, it's so uh, so erratic in that way, where it will just jump between those different kind of themes, um, and and you've got that 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 you know the strange humour and the outlandishness, and then they'll you know the movie ends with possibly the most depressing Radiohead song to ever Radiohead, 
um in exit music for a film which is you know one of my favorite jams because i am a miserable i'm a misery boy um and you're a miserable bastard <laughs> a miserable bastard yeah I, but I, I i do love that song and and so that 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 quick shifting of emotion i think works in this movie's favor but it is fucking irritating it is such an irritating <laughs> film yeah it is really annoying um it, every five seconds you're like why is why are we going here now why is this happening now Oh look, they're they've seen each other through a fish tank, and now they're in love, and they're getting married. You don't even know him. That's to do with the source material, obviously. But somehow it's more irritating when it's done this way. Yeah, it and it is it is more irritating when um, when brought into the modern day. I think is a real problem because you can get away with stupid bullshit in an old play because people in the past were all idiots. <laughs> Hashtag history facts. Um, but so but, but here you think the first thing you think is yeah that's a bit weird uh, you know this is this strange guy that you met at a party that then fumbled around in some vines for a bit and you fell into a pool with him and now you're getting married oh you better both kill yourselves um and <laughs> yeah. and, and and when he gets banished which I, I think the way that they did the banishment thing was quite interesting here um yeah he becomes a like um desert stoner poet yeah he he went on to form queens of the stone age before he died yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> he was he is a member of Caius. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but yeah, so who I, can't read the delivery slips that are put in his, the doorway of his caravan? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I, that was hilarious. It's like yeah, priest priest master Pete is sending him packages from like clearly supposed to be FedEx type mail. Yeah, and what, what's the what's the FedEx um, company called? It's called Post Haste or something, isn't it? Yeah, tie-in, um, which is funny. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, and and I like how they did that banishment. But at the same time, you think, mate, this isn't back in ye olden days. You two could literally just be like, oh, fuck it, let's just leave. We don't have to. Yeah, I, being I wish you our- two, um, Bono and his mates. I wish they would leave. <laughs> um but 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 you know what i mean like they could just go yeah okay we're just going to get out of this stupid city full of shouty loud-shirted men firing guns at each other and we'll go (laughs) we'll go to canada yeah exactly you could go anywhere fair verona whatever not even a real place (laughs) they filmed it in mexico oh mexico yeah and it actually looks like mexico as well it doesn't look like verona at all no no. Not that it matters. But yeah. No, yeah. If the two gentlemen of Verona found out, they'd be very upset. They would be furious. And the two gentlemen of Verona are, of course, Mario and Luigi. <laughs> That's exactly right. And Shakespeare wrote his play about them. Because um, what I found interesting is that they could have done, like, um, maybe set it in uh, in in somewhere closer to home for that. But I like how they've they did sort of do this very big American style thing with it, um, which is which is neat. And I don't know, it's it's very different from the source material. But Romeo and Juliet's not one of my favourite plays. Um, no, it's boring as as Shakespeare goes, isn't it? <laughs> I thought you were going to go. It's, like, it's boring, like all Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, fuck Shakespeare. <laughs> what did he know? Greatest. Playwright of all time, whatever. I hear no Shakespeare was actually loads of different people who just went yeah. under the name. Look, I heard that too. 
I heard that Francis Bacon done some of them. Yeah. Um, I hear that also Shakespeare was once in love. Really? Yeah. Did, wait, wait, hang on. Didn't they make a film about that? No, that's his new new information. Um, you, you just discovered it, did you? Yeah. It definitely wasn't a movie starring Joseph Fiennes. Um, <laughs> which we should talk about that at some point. But equally, yeah, we should. Yeah. Equally, should we talk about it at some point? Mm, maybe. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, um, yeah. It's it's not my favorite play, which I think is part of the problem. Um, what what is your favorite Shakespeare? What do you like when it comes to Shakespeare? That's, that's a tough one, actually. Some of the historical ones I do like, some of them I don't. Antony and Cleopatra, I think, is really good. That's got real kind of high political energy to it, but also has that love built into it as well. Othello, I think, is very, very good. Um, Yeah, probably those two are my favorites. But I also think A Midsummer Night's Dream, it's like the one that you do in year six. It's like your introduction to Shakespeare. But it is hilarious. It's got a donkey man called Bottom. What more? Exactly. What, what more could I wasn't going to mention it, but that's obviously why I like it because I am an eleven-year-old child. <laughs> but no, I, I'm with you on that. I really like a Midsummer Night's Dream, and I like the weird. Basically, any of his plays that have weird magic energy are my favourite. So I really love. Ham- I do really love. Um, I bet you love the Tempest. I do love the Tempest. The Tempest is probably yeah. my favourite. Full of weird shit. Full of wizards. Full of monsters. Yeah, give me that. Give me that yep. Tempest energy. Um, but I do really love Macbeth. Macbeth is a great play. Um, and A Midsummer Night's Dream is very good as well. Um, yeah. they, they, they... Macbeth will always remind me of in year nine, our teacher who got fired later that year um, showed us the Roman Polanski version. with <laughs> <laughs> All the like naked witches on the beach. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mac- have you seen the most recent film adaptation of Macbeth? No. When was this? Um, so it was a couple of years ago. Um, I think it was, It was uh, yeah, about 2015 or so. Um, it's uh, got Ma- Michael Fassbender as Macbeth and uh, Marion Cotillard as Lady Macbeth. Oh, okay. Um, it is very artistic and very interesting and it's full of dread and horror. And so it really gets into that paranoia of Macbeth that I think a lot of adaptations fail to really bring about. And so it's a much like um, this Romeo and Juliet adaptation. It's a really unique take on it that still manages to capture some of the essence of what makes the original source material work. Um, But I, I really love it. I think it's probably my favorite film adaptation of Shakespeare um, out out of all of them. It's a very, but it's a very polarizing film. Um, because it is very it's very artistic in its approach um but yeah and that's the thing Macbeth is about one man's descent into madness really isn't it yes yeah exactly um um plus you know Paddy Considine as Banquo okay okay um so yeah it's it's a it's a it's an interesting take on it I'll I'll say that about it and I, I really enjoy it um, you find that the ones that people either studied and enjoyed or ones that people experienced at a younger age are the ones that tend to stick with you, aren't they? Like, I never studied Hamlet, and I don't think I've ever actually seen it. I know that I vaguely know the story, but I've never seen it. But now, because it wasn't in that over for me, I'm just like, oh, Hamlet's overrated. Everyone goes on about fucking Hamlet, whatever. Who cares? Hamlet's a, Hamlet's a good play. I studied it, but I've also seen 
two two no three straightforward adaptations of it um so obviously you've got the mel gibson version which is incredible because it's mel gibson obviously yep um then uh you've got the ethan hawk one and then the kenneth branner one as well um now is hamlet a manlet (laughs) hamlet is a tiny that's the question hamlet is a is the technical term for a tiny pig Um, a very small swole pig (laughs) yeah the hamlet (laughs) um that that's why that's why he found it so difficult to um to act in the play was because how can he pick up a sword when he has hooves uh, yeah that's that's the true friction <laughs> hooves you <mean> trotters <laughs> the hooved animal maybe he had monstrous large like horse hooves <laughs> on a tiny pig <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly exactly oh you know i you know what one i also have not seen and don't really know but vaguely picked up stuff from popular culture is king lear so whenever i think about it i always just think of crusty the clown playing king lear and they're all like he's they're booing him he's the worst king lear in 400 years (laughs) (laughs) have you have you seen by the way there is a tiny snippet of an arnold schwarzenegger version of hamlet which appears in the movie last action hero and it's like playing it for laughs um, I will send you this clip. Uh, put it in the show notes. It's it's absolutely hilarious, and I wish that it truly exists. Um, I haven't existed. seen that film in a good fifteen years. Oh, mate, we should watch it. Um, something that I did watch recently, though, um, is the movie Ophelia, uh, which has recently come to Netflix and is a retelling of Hamlet from Ophelia's perspective. Um, it's fine, I think, is the best way to describe it. Um, it's it's okay. It's got Daisy Ridley as Ophelia. Um, oh, okay, our, our fave. Um, and um, uh, Hamlet. Yeah. Oh, oh but yeah. Uh, Clive Hamlet. Clive Owen is Claudius. What's not to love about okay. that? Um, is he a gun boy? He's not a gun boy. But then George McKay. Clive Owen's always a gun boy. He is always a gun boy. But and then George McKay is Hamlet. Um, uh, as, as known from uh, 1917, from True History of Kelly Gang. Um, he is someone, I'm going to throw it out there, he's going to get a fuckload of Oscars by the time that he's an old man. Um, yeah, how is, old is he, 12? He is very, very good. He is far too young, um, I think. He's not super young, but I think he's born in like the early 90s, which makes him... He's younger than young. us. He's younger than us. Uh, Gary, yeah. He is still a wee, a wee baby. Um, a child <laughs> yeah exactly um so um so so yeah it's it's all right it's it's vaguely interesting it makes it makes some interesting narrative choices and changes to the plot um which some people might appreciate some people might not i'm in two minds about it um but it's 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 kind of worth watching you know what I just remembered that I hadn't thought about in a very, very long time is the 1993 Much Ado About Nothing with Keanu Reeves. Have you seen it? Uh, I don't think I have. Oh my God, it's wonderful. Bizarrely, there was a poster of it up on my English classroom in year 10. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> Amazing. Who else is... Yeah. Oh, oh, this is quite a good cast. I'm just looking Directed right by Kenneth Branagh, written by Kenneth Branagh. I think you'll find it was written by William Shakespeare. Well, you you were just saying that he didn't write his own plays. So, you know, (laughs) who are we to say? Kenneth Branagh went back in time and wrote them all. There's a reason Kenneth Branagh does so much Shakespeare, right? (laughs) He wrote them. He wrote them all. He's the real Shakespeare. Um, Emma Thompson, Kenneth Branagh. Kate Beckinsale, Denzel Washington, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Michael Keaton. Ooh. 
It's a great cast. That's a that's a pretty good. Are cast. you looking at the poster? Are you looking at how how serious Keanu looks on the poster? He looks he looks livid, and everyone else looks pretty cheeky. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm on board with this. Um. Yeah, I'm 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 fully on board with that. That that looks cool. I love a bit of Keanu. Yeah, he's great. I'm also now looking at an article from 2019. The internet doesn't know how to handle John Wick star Keanu Reeves being a Shakespeare truther. I don't know. Keanu also believes that Shakespeare didn't write his own plays. He's good. I mean, he's a good boy. I mean, he would know because he's worked with Kenneth Branagh on a Shakespeare play. So Kenneth Branagh clearly took him to one side and said, hey, by the way, this is my time machine. I went back in time and, and handed all these plays to old Bill. Yep. And that's how they came to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> exactly. That was a little nod to... Uh... The Bill in those films was Bill Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and Ted was Ted Bundy. What? <laughs> yeah. We got together to write plays, commit murders, and be awesome. <laughs> what, what more can you... I don't think you can describe Ted Bundy as awesome under any circumstances. <laughs> Um, official quote of this podcast from Paddy Johnston, Ted Bundy is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know loads about him. I know everything about him, actually. I'm very informed because I've listened to all the murder podcasts and seen you, all the murder Netflix shows about him. You are a big fan of the murder podcasts. Um, so, so yeah. okay. Well, so, the, so hang you... on. The Ephronator played him, right? Yes, that's right. So that must mean he's good. it's a rule that's how it works okay so do you know everyone Zac Efron has played on film is good do you know anything about Ted Bundy he murdered some people and got away with it because he was a slick talking lawyer is that right (laughs) not quite he did murder some people he he murdered at least 12 people um and in in very horrible ways um he did not uh get away with it though um, he he. Well, he, initially he did a little bit initially before then being found out and um, executed. Um, so he did not just get away with it forever. This isn't a catch me if you can situation. <laughs> um, although murder me if you can, murder me if you can. That's that's our next project. A little light comedy about Ted Bundy. Um. But there's no there's no Ted Bundy in, in in Romeo and Juliet. No, there are no serial killers. There, there is there is some murder. There is a murder. Oh, there's two murders, plus some other deaths. Um, yep. Which I think are handled Tybalt pretty kills well. Kills Mercutio with quite actually quite a small wound. I think if they got him to the hospital, he could have survived. Yeah, I think he would have been okay. I think. Or if he hadn't done all that shouting. Don't get up and shout when you've been wounded like that, Makusha. Wait for the ambulance. Yeah, just chill out and, you know, you'll be fine. Um, but the important thing about that is he was demonstrating the number one rule of adapting Shakespeare, which is that every line is more effective if it's said once and then said a second time, but shouted at the top of your lungs while the camera looks down on you from above. I mean, that is the ultimate rule of Shakespeare, isn't it? Yeah. Um Plague on both your houses. I'll break over the houses. That's basically how it goes. <laughs> it felt like every case. second line from Leonardo DiCaprio was like that as well. Yeah, he he got a bit of that energy, didn't he, towards the end? Um, to begin with, I think he's got that kind of shy, blip blip blip. I'm a little floppy-haired boy thing going on, 
Um, and then he goes on the, he goes on his little rampage and then he gets shut, shut out in the desert. And I, I like a bit of Leo. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. But I don't necessarily. He played Howard Hughes. He played Howard Hughes. Friend of the podcast, Howard Hughes. <laughs> we do, we do love Howard Hughes. <laughs> in the um, film, The Aviator. He also played Howard Hughes in My Dreams. Yeah, obviously, um, in which he asks you to hop into the spruce moose. Yeah, this the, the loose goose. He goes, <laughs> I said hop in. And then he shouts <laughs> it really, really loud a second time <laughs> for emphasis. Exactly, exactly. Um, and and I, do li- I do like Leo, and I think he's been in some very interesting stuff over the years. We haven't, we haven't watched that many Leonardo DiCaprio movies, have we? We watched Titanic. No, I'm... I'm trying to remember, yeah, obviously Titanic. And this film is pre-Titanic, which is interesting. It is, yeah. It was the year before. Um, you know, I, I'm struggling to think of any others. Oh, well, he is in one of the Critters movies. Critters 3, he's in. Um, <laughs> okay. That, I think that was the first the first <laughs> movie that he was in. Uh, a sequel to a shit knockoff of um, of, of Gremlins. Great, great start um i've definitely seen all three of those films <laughs> i don't think i've seen any of them um but uh, but yeah so, so he had all of those early early successes of like what's eating gilbert grape um the quick and the dead which oh, is a yeah. really good um western about a sort of shootout competition in this town um awesome awesome movie um and then you know he had he had titanic uh, the Man in the Iron Mask, where he plays a man uh, in an yeah. iron mask. Um, uh, he's in the adaptation of The Beach, which isn't... We could probably watch that for this podcast, actually. Yeah. Um, it's, an, yeah. In, it's an interesting movie, that. Um, before, yeah, doing stuff like Catch Me If You Can. Um, Gangs of New York, where he played opposite Big Mustache McGee. Um, <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis with a big mustache. Um, what, what more can you want from a film? Um, and then, uh, yeah, he's, he did lots of very serious films. So stuff like the departed and blood diamond and, yeah. and things like that. Revolutionary road is one we should talk about at some point. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. Um, and yeah, so he, he's, he's one of those people that chooses a lot of movies that are kind of blockbusters, but at the same time have that kind of artistic. Oh, didn't integrity. we do the Wolf of Wall Street? I don't think we have done the Wolf of Wall Street, but we should definitely do the Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, um, really? It's so long. It's like five hours long. It, it is over three hours long, but it's also hilarious. It um, also has a lot of shouting from him. It does have a lot of shouting. He loves a good shout. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then he fought a bear in that movie that I've forgotten the name of. Oh, yeah. Um and uh, he's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by your favourite man. Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to watch that. I'm going to choose that. Definitely, you're going to. I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you watch a, Tarant- a Tarantino movie at some point. I'm going to fucking hate it. You ain't. You'll that like. Probably it. would be a good episode. Yeah, you'll 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 like it. We'll choose one of the good ones. As you say that as if there are any good ones. We could do um we could do Django. Django's a fun movie. You get to see lots of racists get killed. Um I'm in favour of that. It's good. I, I like Django and Chain quite a lot. Um and there's romance in that. The whole point of the plot is romantic. 
So we could get away with watching that for this. Um, All right. Which we could do. But yeah, so Leo's good. But I, I don't really like his performance that much in this movie. Um, no, as, as I said earlier, it feels like he's just reading Shakespeare lines. Yeah. And, and, and relying on his good looks to carry it, which they do to a certain extent. Yeah, and and I think a lot of that ties into the successful aesthetic of this movie where, you know, could you imagine this with somebody else if you put Kenneth Branner in the lead role uh, <laughs> as, as 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 Romeo in this, you know, no, it wouldn't. And and uh, so Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves in this. Um I could see I could maybe see Keanu Reeves, but he might be a little bit he might lack the energy required for for Romeo and Juliet. Um, the I'm a young poet in a suit energy. Yeah, exactly. He's definitely more of a young grunge musician in a baggy shirt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's so. So yeah, again, it comes down to that thing where it's like there's elements of it that are really, you know, they stick in your mind. You know, this is one of those iconic movies that's going to stand the test of time. But at the same time, if you break it down into an, into its individual components, is it really enjoyable? And and I think that that that's the same for the for the lead performances. And I think Claire Danes does a better job than Leo mm. in this. Um, yeah, it's great considering she was only what sixteen when they filmed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, it still kind of boggles the mind that she didn't have a bigger career than she has. And, and she's been in some good and interesting stuff. Yes, yes, she's done plenty of really good stuff. You know, um, like did you watch Homeland? It's not usually my kind of thing, but we started watching it the first episode just like randomly, and then it turned out the first couple of seasons were really good, and then we lost interest. But she was amazing in that. I've I've heard that that is really good, um, but I I haven't got around to watching it myself. Um, but yeah, so she's been in some interesting stuff. A movie that I really want to see is Brigsby Bear. Um, which came out a few years ago, which which sounds Not like heard of that. your kind of thing. So it's about this guy that um, is it about a bear? No. Um, so it's about this guy who was like living in an underground bunker, and then when he's set free from it, um, he then decides to make a movie out of the TV show that he used to watch in the bunker called Brigsby Bear. And it sounds like this really sort of weird, quirky comedy thing. It sounds very much up your street. All right. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so, so she's in that. Um, she's in, yeah, she's she's been in some really interesting stuff over the years, but it's like, you know, it would have been, she deserved a bigger career than she's had, I think. And She and, was in the adaptation of Stardust. Which yes, is good. which is very good. Um, but it, it kind of feels like she deserves more acclaim given how good her performances have been in everything as well. Um, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, Stardust is amazing. It's such a good movie. Yeah. And I think does justice to the book. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I will always have space in my heart for um, Robert De Niro in that movie. Always, always, yeah. always. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and I think a lot of the supporting cast in Romeo and Juliet does a good job as well. Obviously, Paul Rudd is the perfect Shakespearean <laughs> actor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, and when he turned up, I completely. It's fitting that he's playing the character with the stupidest name, Dave, <laughs> Dave Paris. Paris. Um, I I completely forgot. Hi, I'm John Prague. <laughs> Bill Frankfurt, you know Barry Copenhagen. Yeah, <laughs> what a stupid name. Um, like that, I think is also proof that Shakespeare didn't write his own stuff. That's that's the kind of thing Kenneth Branagh would do. 
<laughs> exactly. It's just like, what am I going to call this guy? The play's nearly done. It's due tomorrow. What am I going to call him? Fuck it. Dave Paris. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, or it's like made from one of those online name generators. Like your Romeo and Juliet name is your granddad's name plus the last city you went to on holiday. It's like that. <laughs> What what is Paris? What is your um? What is your your Shakespeare name then? Oh God, I can't remember the last time I went on holiday. I haven't been on holiday anywhere. I have a child. I don't go on holiday. <laughs> um, I guess we went to Venice. No, we went to Sorrento. Brian ah. Sorrento. There you go. What what was the what what did you choose as your first name again? What was your fir- what was the first? Your name? granddad's name. Granddad's name. Ah. So if you have a choice of two, I could have had Brian or John. So I went with Brian. I'm tr- I can't remember if it was the last place I went to, but it's the only one that springs to mind at the moment. I think I would be George Valletta, which is a very good name. Mm, that's, um, that's all right. I might go by that when I start my uh, my my various illegal activities. And I need what an do you alias. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of of great names, you've got Miriam Margols in this. Oh, she's great, and she's she's brilliant. And she hams it up. She she hams it up to the perfect degree. Like she's putting on a hilarious accent. Yes, um, and and we we stan her on this podcast. I think it's fair to say she's great. Yeah, um, and she's holding it all together, taking messages between them. It's all because of her. It is. It is all because of her. It's great. Um, and so, yeah, it's... <clears throat> there's so much... There's a lot here that should work. And maybe if I wasn't a cynical, very tired man, <laughs> it, 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 it would. But there is just... I, I don't enjoy this movie. I'm sorry, Baz. I do love some of your other movies, but this is just too much. It's like a sensory overload is what this movie yeah. is. It's it's quite irritating and strange and jarring and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but there's a lot of stuff in there to get hold of that is good and that is enjoyable to watch. Like like kids singing when doves cry, Mercutio firing his gun into the sea, you know, all that stuff is good. Desert Stoner Romeo. Yeah, yeah. And and I definitely recommend that people if you've not watched this movie, you should definitely watch it. Um because I don't know. It's a very interesting film, and I think it's very polarizing. It was very polarizing in reviews at the time as well. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so we'll get on we'll get onto that in a little bit. But I think I think people should definitely watch this film and make up their own minds. Um, yeah, definitely. That said, our arbitrary scoring system is the definitive answer for how good this movie is. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's your guide to life yeah exactly um but yeah so so in terms of um in terms of ratings the average score of this movie is only a 6.6 out of 10 which surprised me because i remember everybody um loving this film um but actually it isn't as beloved or wasn't as beloved at the time by critics as people might think no um Baz Luhrmann was still getting established, wasn't he? And then, obviously, this is part of what's known as his something-something trilogy. 
preceded by Strictly Ballroom, which I've never seen, and followed by Moulin Rouge, which I don't like, but obviously was a massive hit, and then that kind of established it. So I think in the context of Moulin Rouge, a lot of people reevaluated this film, and especially people around our age, because we were too young for it when it first came out. But then it's like, oh, you realise it's part of this whole thing that Baz Luhrmann's got going, and you're like, yes, I'll have it. Yes, yeah. Um, so so let's let's go over a few of the reviews um, of the time. Um, this is always my favourite bit. Um, so, so the ro- so Rolling Stone, the Rolling Stones, the Rolling uh, Stones <laughs> gave it. Um, gave Mick it- Jagger rang up Baz Luhrmann and was like, "Listen, mate, <laughs> I can't get no satisfaction from this film." <laughs> so, so they loved it. Um, they said um, that uh, it it shook up a four hundred year old play without losing its touching poetic innocence, which is a very hmm. ni- nice little line. Um, but, um, but other people were not as keen. Uh, so the France, uh, San Francisco Chronicle, uh, called it embarrassing, uh, quick cuts and shaky handheld camera work, bad acting and lots of attitude. Um, <laughs> Which is kind of actually a fair summary. It is a fair summary. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Salon said it would be destined for the trash heap of Shakespearean adaptations, if not for its female lead. Um, then, uh, the Washington post, uh, gave it a four out of 10 saying, uh, it's a frenetic explosive experience full of car crashes and gun battles. Um, but is often overwhelming and so overwhelming. It'll make you want to watch die hard with a vengeance for peace and quiet. Um, <laughs> which, which I think a lot of these are fair. Maybe the scores aren't so fair. Um, but where it's, um, uh, Roger Ebert, for instance, said, I have never seen anything remotely approaching the mess that the new punk version of Romeo and Juliet makes of Shakespeare's tragedy. Um, All right, old man. He he did not like it, did old Rog, as as he yeah. liked being called. Well, you know, I used to respect Roger Ebert until I read that he liked Garden State. <laughs> that was it. That was the final straw. Um yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, it was quite polarizing at the time, um, but I think over time, it's people have given it a bit more respect. And but I think from an audience perspective, audiences really loved it. So it made a ridiculous amount of money in the end. Um, well, I think it made like nearly a hundred and fifty million dollars, um, which is not to be sniffed at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fans loved it um critics not so much but over time i think it has gained this reputation as being a very very strong film yeah for sure um right so do you have anything else you would like to say about romeo and juliet or shall i give us a little bit of trivia no i I think i've said everything i need to say it's it's worth watching for sure it's if you haven't seen it definitely check it out it's fun, it's strange, it's weird, it's irritating, but I'm glad that it exists and I'm glad that it's an early example of Baz Luhrmann pushing the envelope in his unique way. Yes, I'd, uh, I do not like this film, but I'm glad it's here. And Gun Boys. Uh, uh, it's got lots of Gun Boys, that's what I like. Oh, and it also reminded me of the film late that came later on, Romeo Must Die. Oh mate, that? I love that film so much. Jet Li. Can we watch that for the podcast? Sure, why not? But I remember that at school, that, like someone had that on the going around on a VCD, and everyone was like, "Oh, have you seen this really cool film, Romeo Must Die?" Yeah, and he's watching it on this like shaky video CD copy, and just thinking this is kind of stupid, but also great. 
I I really love that film so much. I I need to rewatch it now. Actually, um, <laughs> I love Jet Li. I love Jet Li as well. Um, <laughs> anyway, right. A little bit of trivia. Um, so Claire Danes is wearing a wig throughout the movie. Uh, she had a special aquatic wig for her underwater scenes. Aquatic wig. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, which is great. Um, All right. The other people considered for Juliet were Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jennifer Love Hewitt, um, Alia, Kate Winslet, and Christina Ricci, um, hmm. which would be some interesting choices. Um, I also read that um, Natalie Portman was originally cast, but then they decided she was too young because she was oh, like fourteen. That's true. Yeah, she would have been very, um, very young for this. Um, it would have been a little bit sketchy. Um, uh, so. Uh, the the song exit music for a film um was actually uh composed for this film and then eventually made it onto the radiohead album okay computer right. um, as opposed to it being on the album and then part of the movie um so uh baz Luhrmann actually sent uh sent the band the last 20 minutes of the movie and asked them to make a song for the end credits hmm that's cool um, and ended up being probably one of their best songs and a very lovely little horrible song <laughs> that's a bit like that thing we had last week with pretty in pink wasn't it where um omd had to write a song in 24 hours <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> to go hit the dance scene um yeah which i is... just read that jet lee's in the live action mulan that's coming out oh is he amazing yeah but isn't it problematic is it problematic yeah, didn't the main actor say that she sympathised with the Hong Kong government and was against the protesters or something? Yes, I am. They, she probably, yeah, that's right, she did. But I think people probably need to consider that if you're Chinese and you're someone who's in the public eye, you probably agree with the government because otherwise your family will go missing. Um, yeah, so people probably true. need to consider that free speech in certain parts of the world is not the same as free speech here. Uh, that's true. So but maybe she could have just not said it, or maybe she was told that she had to say it. I think there's there's lots of things to consider before we decide that she's problematic because a person is not as powerful as a big old dictatorship. That's fair, but what's more problematic is it that it doesn't have the "Be a Man" song in it. So, <laughs> yeah. there you go north out of twenty. Yeah, that, that's that's why I'm boycotting it. Is where is my song? Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. And and so yeah, I'll give you a little one final bit of trivia. Um, Baz Luhrmann approached the film along the lines of, "If William Shakespeare were alive today, what kind of film would he have made?" Um, I imagine he probably wouldn't have made this. <laughs> To be fair. <laughs> yeah. Shakespeare definitely would have taken some LSD and raided the the costume room of his local drama school. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I'm not too sure about that, Baz, but we love you anyway. Um so so how are we gonna how are we gonna rate this? Uh let's see. How many times do you need to repeat each line shouted for it to be effective? Oh, that's very good. Um so for me it's gonna be I think I'm going to have to go for a 10 because I don't like it, but I, I'm glad it's here. Um, so for yeah. for me, it's a low score, but for society, it's a high score. And so we'll meet. I'll go, 
I'll go just one higher and give it an 11. I do find it an enjoyable watch, but that extra point is mainly just for Mercutio firing his gun into the sea. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, good times, good times. Um, right, okay, so what have we got next? Uh, well, we, we had a request some time ago um, on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but it was um, for us to do Little Women, the recent adaptation, which has been very, very good. And obviously at the time it was in the cinema. and We don't go to the cinema because we're old men, so we couldn't go and see it. But now it's probably on streaming. I'm sure we can get hold of it. So we're doing Little Women, the recent adaptation. Awesome. I did want to um, watch that, but couldn't find the time. So, yeah, let's uh, let's get on it. Very good. Cool. Well, as always, thank you very much for listening. We really, really appreciate it. And we hope this podcast is bringing you some comfort in these strange times and that you're enjoying taking your mind off things by watching hideous films from 1996. <laughs> yeah. If, if there's any more hideous 90s movies you'd like us to watch, please do let us know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always up for that. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. Email us at Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. Always love to hear from you. Yeah, if you could direct a movie of Shakespeare, how would you do it? Yeah, how many drugs would you take to make it okay? Yeah, let us what know. What role could Keanu Reeves play in it? <laughs> how many plagues would you put and on how many houses? <laughs> yeah. Out of two. <laughs> exactly. The options are one or two. It's binary code. <laughs> it's one and zero. Yeah. Oh, Not you, one and well, two. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it is technically two because in computer science, you count from zero. But it's not two. It's one <laughs> zero. <laughs> A plague on zero of your houses. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's, that's how computers work. Yep. <laughs> That's how Twitter works. That's how Twitter works. <laughs> but yeah, do do tweet us with your nonsense. Yes. And we'll be back next week to talk about Little Women. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.